Hi, I'm Andrew Kessler. It's August 9th, and this is the Bible in a Year with Maple City Chapel. The readings for today are Ezra 8:21 through Ezra 9, all of 1 Corinthians 5, Psalms 31, 1 through 8, and Proverbs 21, 1 and 2. Ezra 8:21, And there, by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and to protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, Our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. I appointed twelve leaders of the priests, Sherebiah, Hashabiah, and ten other priests, to be in charge of transporting the silver, the gold, the gold bulls, and other items that the king, his council, his officials, and all the people of Israel had presented for the temple of God. I weighed the treasures as I gave it to them and found the totals to be as follows. Twenty-four tons of silver, 7,500 pounds of silver articles, 7,500 pounds of gold, 20 gold bulls equal in value to 1,000 gold coins, two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. And I said to these priests, You and these treasures have been set apart as holy to the Lord. This silver and gold is a voluntary offering to the Lord and the God of our ancestors. Guard these treasures well until you present them to the leading priests, the Levites, and the leaders of Israel who will weigh them in at the storerooms of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. So the priests and the Levites accepted the task of transporting these treasures of silver and gold to the temple of our God in Jerusalem. We broke camp at the Ahava Canal on April 19th and started off to Jerusalem. And the gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived safely in Jerusalem, where we rested for three days. On the fourth day after our arrival, the silver, gold, and other valuables were weighed in at the temple of our God and entrusted to Merimoth, son of Uriah the priest, and to Eleazar, son of Phinehas, along with Josabad, son of Jeshua, and Nodiah, son of Binu, both of whom were Levites. Everything was accounted by number and weight, and the total weight was officially recorded. Then the exiles who had come out of captivity sacrificed burnt offerings to the God of Israel. They presented twelve bulls for all the people of Israel, as well as ninety-six rams and seventy-seven male lambs. They also offered twelve male goats as a sin offering. All this was given as a burnt offering to the Lord. The king's decrees were delivered to his highest officers and governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, who then cooperated by supporting the people of the temple of God. Ezra chapter 9 When these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They've taken up detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. For the men of Israel have married women from these people and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy race has become polluted by these mixed marriages. 
Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. When I heard this, I tore my cloak and my shirt, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down, utterly shocked. Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there, utterly appalled, until the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and lifted up my hands to the Lord of my God. I prayed, O oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached unto the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, we have been steeped in sin. That is why we and our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We've been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced, just as we are today. But now we've been given a brief moment of grace, for the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He's given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He's given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. And now, O God, what can we say after all of this? For once again, we've abandoned your commands. Your servants, the prophets, warned us when they said, The land you are entering to possess is totally defiled by the detestable practices of the people living there. From one end to the other, the land is filled with corruption. Don't let your daughters marry their sons. Don't take their daughters as wives for your sons. Don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. If you follow these instructions, you will be strong and will enjoy the good things in the, that the land produces, and you will leave this prosperity to your children forever. Now we are being punished because of our wickedness and our great guilt. But we've actually been punished far less than we deserve. For you, our God, have allowed some of us to survive as a remnant. But even so, we're again breaking your commands and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Won't your be anger be enough to destroy us, so that even this little remnant no longer survives? O oh Lord God of Israel, you are just. We come before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant, though in such a condition none of us can stand in your presence. 1 Corinthians 5 I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. You should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I've already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus. You must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord. On the day the Lord returns. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. 
Then you'll be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Psalm 31, 1-8 O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull, pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but have set me in a safe place. Proverbs 21, 1 and 2 The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart.